You are listening to the Swim Science Podcast. Take your marks. Welcome to the Swim Science Podcast with your hosts, Robin and Josh Sergener, a father and son duo with a combined experience of elite international sport of over 50 years. Robin is a nine-time Paralympic champion in the pool and junior performance squad head coach, and Josh is a physiologist and sports scientist who has worked with Olympic and Paralympic athletes and is a university performance squad head coach. Welcome to the inaugural Swim Science Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I need to introduce our guest. We are very lucky on our first episode to have the hugely experienced Russ Barber. Russ started his coaching career with the City of Hull in 1990 and has been the head coach with the City of Sheffield Swim Squad since 2001. In this time, he has worked with over 100 national medalists, numerous international swimmers, including six Olympians, and has been part of the Team GB coaching staff at all major international competitions, including the last three Olympic Games. Russ also has experience on the para side, working with a multiple-time Paralympic champion. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Russ Barber. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Thank you for, uh, thank you for coming on. I'll try not to swear. <laughs> we can bleep you out. It's fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, kind of first things first, how are you doing uh, in, in lockdown? Oh, it's weird, isn't it? It's, um, it, you know, the first two or three weeks, it was like, you know, the best holiday I've ever had. You know, it was <laughs> probably the only holiday I've ever had, actually. Um, but, um, you know, it was great because I just identified loads of stuff that I wanted to do around the house and in the garden and and uh, got everything looking good. And I was quite happy with myself, you know, and I just, uh, just cracked on with things. But then as it's gone on and gone on and gone on, it's like running out of things to do and... And, um, you know, I've even forced myself to do a bit of reading. Oh, dear. And, <laughs> um, you know, so it's, there's only so much you can do, isn't there? And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just trying to make each day positive and, and be able to go to bed on each night and think, yeah, today's been good. You know, because obviously when you're, when you're in the privileged position I am and have been for the last 30 years to, to have worked with so many great swimmers, you know, you go to bed each day feeling can't wait to get up the next day because you know you want to get back at it and and get back with those athletes but then uh but this is a, a different thing altogether so i'm I'm kind of um i guess i'm feeling what normal people feel like i guess you know? <laughs> so, I, mean, I, I think you know <laughs> coming slightly from the other end of it from having been a you know a competitive swimmer and coming into coaching much later um but i actually think that the the drive as a coach is is even more than the drive as a swimmer. And I'm not even coaching anywhere near your level. I'm just coaching club swimmers generally, um, plus one Paralympic hopeful um, and some some talent programme bits and pieces. Um, but it is, it's, uh, you know, I can be absolutely shattered and then still be up for going coaching, mm. you know, and, and, you know, you're getting in that car and, bit of loud music helps sometimes on the way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's that want to get those swimmers in there and seeing them achieve, pull through those sessions that you've put together. 
I think a lot of people that um, that perhaps don't understand coaching, you know, because there's been times over the years when, you know, family members or friends or girlfriends or whatever have kind of questioned, you know, when I haven't been able to do things, you know, with the family or whatever, because I'm, I'm at a meet or on a training camp or, you know, there's a lot of people that don't really understand it, you know, but, you know, I always say that there's nothing quite as, um, what can I, what word can I say? Passionate and, and uh, empowering as, as someone actually coming up to you and look at you in the eye and say, I want to go to the Olympics. Will you help me? You know, and that's, and that's my drive, you know, because it's like, if I'm honest, I'm not from swimming, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a swimming person really. I mean, swimming was, was my sort of fourth or fifth best sport. Um, you know, I was track and field, you know, and football and, volleyball and table tennis and I was that guy that was always captain on every school team you know <laughs> and uh, and I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be a PE teacher you know that was that was my plan and um, and because I royally messed up my A levels I, d- I didn't get enough points to to go to to college and so I ended up you know sort of just back at the local leisure centre doing a bit of swimming teaching and it built from there but Swimming's not really my sport, you know. It's um, if I'm honest, I, I, I find a lot of it boring, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. If, if if there was a chance to watch Hull City play rather than watch uh, a swimming competition, you know, I'd much rather watch Hull City or or if there's track and field on, I'll always watch track and field over swimming. Um, but what it is about swimming for me, it's it's the working with the athletes and it's the work and it's the putting a plan in place and helping people through the challenges and and that's where I get the buzz from and it's almost one of those things where you know when when we go off to the competition I kind of lose interest at that point really because mm. it's almost like the, the the job's done you know yeah and, no, I mean um, I can remember when I was at um you know 2016 Olympics and um um well, no, probably 2017 World Championships is probably the better uh, example because that at that meet one of my guys uh, won a gold medal in the four by two, and uh, that was Nick Granger. And then um, Max Litchfield came fourth, and uh, in the four hundred medley, two hundred medley, broke the Commonwealth records. Uh, Richard Nagy came eighth in the four hundred IM. You know, so from from a little swimming program in in South Yorkshire, we had three swimmers in finals, and. Um, and I was, just, and everyone was going wild around me, you know, like there was people jumping up and, you know, like people flying through the air and all that kind of stuff with, with these. <laughs> and I, and I was kind of sat there just thinking, I want to go home, you know, and not, and not for any other reason that to me the job was done, and, and I, although I was really, really proud of what they did for themselves, to me it's like, right, what's next? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, when we get back to the training pool. You know, how am I going to get, you know, how am I going to get Max to come from fourth to first? And how am I going to turn a Commonwealth record into a world record? And, you know, that's, and it's the kind of constantly chasing that train and the challenges that keep me going much, much more than the performances. And I think, Uh, you know, when I think, when I think back to the highlights of my career, it's certainly not been competitions. It's been amazing things that have happened in training. I do, I agree. I, 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 I think the training pool, I think, you know, even working, you know, in, with, with age group swimmers, um, 
you know. Oh, it's fantastic work. Yeah, so, some, someone, someone nailing their fly timing, someone yeah. nailing their whip kick, somebody, so you know, good. those, those, so those little things yeah. that actually make such a huge difference. That, yeah, they also, do. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what you feel, but also, you know, when you'll be stood there and something will suddenly click, you know, some biomechanical thing that, that you maybe perhaps as a coach haven't really been able to work out, you know, it's, you know, suddenly something will click and it'll be like, oh, wow. And then you can then put that through to the rest of the squad and, and you see and make improvements. And, and they're the highlights. You know, when I think back to, like I say, to, I mean, I've been coaching 30 years now. Um, you know, they're the highlights for me uh, of those moments in training when something amazing happens and you walk away thinking, wow, that, that have, I, have, I have been really instrumental in helping a lot of people today that and and that's that's the key thing for me really if i'm honest with you that's what that's what keeps driving me you know because honest truth you know like once you've been to a few meets they're the same aren't they you know and it's like you know i mean don't get me wrong i mean the first olympics i went to was really exciting but then the second wasn't quite as exciting and the third one was like you know it's just a meet you know and even though i'm proud to be there and i'm happy for the swimmers you know, once you've climbed Mount Everest, climbing it the second time's not quite as exciting. <laughs> and climbing it the third time is a bit of a ball ache, you know. So, <laughs> so that's why for me, it's like, you know, it's almost like, you know, it's the, it's the training pool challenges and it's the, and it's the setting goals and achieving the goals that, that really float my boat, if I'm honest with you. And I think, I mean, in terms of the technical stuff, certainly um, as you've kind of, been experiencing recently with Josh and his science work with that GoPro um you know being able to see so much more so easily you know when I was a swimmer they had you know big windows under the pool mm. that they would take some massive tv camera down there and three weeks later you might get to see what you've done um but you know having I'll do what I used to do and lay down on the poolside with a pair of goggles on and just stick your head underneath the water. <laughs> I've done that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I've done that a few times. Yeah. I think I think the benefit of like you say of the of the kind of video analysis stuff is as much for us as coaches, it's it's for the swimmers because I think, you know, swimmers these days are so uh driven and what's the thing where you, you learn visually by looking at things um i think uh so many swimmers benefit from actually being able to look at themselves and for you to point out what the words you're saying actually looks like yeah you know I mean? absolutely yeah uh, and i think that's a that's a unique challenge to... not as articulate as others in describing <laughs> things you know and um and for me, you know, like when you can put words, uh, to, visuals to words, I think that's when you get the biggest breakthrough. You know, I think, I think the, the next step and, and you know, the, the, the thing that we're looking into is, is finding a, a cost-effective way to be able to have earpieces as well so they can, you can actually talk to them while they're swimming and, and you know, not having to wait 50 metres or 100 metres until they come back. You know, you can actually talk them through a correction mid-pool you know and uh and for me you know there are systems out there but they're so expensive and and you know so undeveloped at this point that they're not really fantastic you know but um when that one gets nailed i think that that's when we'll we'll really start making some progress in in terms of skill development yeah 
I think it's such a unique challenge to, to swimming as well in that athletes can't see themselves. You know, if you're working with a footballer and they're, you know, dragging their kick over, you can be like, watch, watch your leg and go, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if the swimmer's, you know, recovery's a bit off, you know, you end up tying yourself in knots to try and to try and see. And, you know, I've, I've had it working with senior swimmers and with kind of age group swimmers. You tell them something all the time and they go, are you sure? Like, yeah, I'm sure. And then you film them and then they look at it and they go, that's not me. I don't do that. Do I really do that? Mm. And then as soon as they've seen that, then, you know, they get back in the pool and that coaching queue you've been giving them for, you know, three sessions, all of a sudden they go, Oh yeah, that's what that means. And well, I don't know what you think, but my, my opinion is that you know very much that the um, standard of the swimming lessons and the and the, the the way that you know teaching generally teaching of swimming. You know, obviously there's exceptions, of course, but is is pretty poor. You know, and I, and I think that you know it's very much taught from a this is how you use your arms, this is how you kick your legs blah, 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 blah. But you rather than actually teaching from a body position standpoint and how it all links together right from the start. And so, you know, there might be a situation, for example, I mean, you'll have seen this 100 times on my squad, Josh, you know, where a swimmer will put the hand in correctly on backstroke, but then the hand is ahead of the where the body position should be. And then as soon as the body position catches up, it knocks the hand out of position. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's because they haven't been taught it as a unit. You know, they haven't been yeah. taught, right, okay, you know, when your hand, you know, goes into the water at this point because your hip's doing this and because your legs are doing this and, you know, teaching it as a unit. Uh, and that's the biggest battle that I have, you know, when, um, you know, swimmers come, you know, because I'm, I'm in a lucky position that quite often I just, swimmers arrive... With me at 15, 16, 18, whatever, and um, with a certain level of, of um, performance already, and you've almost got to say to them, Right, okay, I need to spend a year teaching you how to swim now. You know, I mean, I totally agree because actually, it's hard. it's hard because you know, there's all ego things in that. You know, well, I'm already national champion, you know, it's like, Yeah, but. You know, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to the Olympics? Do you want to make an Olympic final? Well, what is it that you want? Because you certainly won't do it with that technique, pal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and it's it's being able to, you know, sell it to them sometimes. You know, and and, and use all this, the the science tools that we've got to turn around and say, right, okay, let's, this is Ryan Lochte. All right, this is how he does it side by side with a video clip of this is how you do it and this is why he goes five seconds faster than you <laughs> and, you'll ne- and you'll never do the same unless you make these changes. So you've got a choice to make. You can continue to be national champion or Yorkshire champion or whatever, which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking it. But if you've got an ambition to be better than that, then you've actually got to learn the proper biomechanics that go along with it. And, and it's the... And, that I would say is is one of probably three or four major hurdles that, as a senior coach, that I've got to contend with every year. And um, and it's interesting that that in situations where I've been able to take a swimmer through from a young age, um, and be able to iron out those problems, so that by the time they've finished growing and they've gone through puberty and they're ready to start training like a senior swimmer. 
I don't have too many biomechanical issues to de- issues to deal with. You know? I think we're the same here because we. I mean, at my club, when we get back to look at how we are, mm. you know, going to take things forward because I've been having to reteach swimmers how to swim because they come through doing their strokes incorrectly. And, the, thing and, that, the thing that annoys me about it is is that you know perhaps back in the day, you know, uh, I mean, when I'm I'm thinking back to. You know, when I accidentally found myself on poolside coaching some kids back in the early 90s, and genuinely, I, you know, I, I, I'm i a good swimmer, I'm a strong swimmer, and I can do all four strokes, but uh, I never competed at anything other than county championships, you know. I never went to regionals or nationals or international or anything like that. And, so, and I had very little coaching knowledge. And, um, and the honest truth is, you know, the way that I learned what good technique was, was um you know commonwealth games um 1990 and olympic games 1992 i videoed it on the vhs a panasonic vhs with jog and shuttle slow motion function and uh and when it was on telly you know when there was underwater clips i'd, I'd pause it and slowly jog and shuttle it along and, and look at what they were actually doing and it was really interesting that it was absolutely nothing like most of the literature that I'd ever read and it was certainly nothing like what the tutors at the time were, were talking about on the ASA uh, absolutely agree teacher courses and all that sort of stuff and um, you know I mean when I when I did my courses I mean they were still talking about the wedge kick on breaststroke <laughs> as if it was a thing you know like I'm, I'm sat there thinking no, that's just bad breaststroke. It's not a thing. Wedge kick isn't a way of kicking on breaststroke. It's a badly done breaststroke kick. Yeah, Why are we being taught that? You know, and um, um, there's, there's been multiple times, even up to recently, you know, where, you know, I've one of the things I try and do with my senior swimmers, because it's hard for them when they retire, you know, to, to, get on, to get into the real world again. And so I encourage a lot of them to do their uh, coaching qualifications. And because they've been well-educated, they're going on to these courses and they're actually way ahead of what the tutors are in terms of their knowledge. And so they're sitting there being taught about, you know, the in-sweep, out-sweep, upside-down sweep, the pointless sweep, all the other sweeps that they talk about. And, um, and the swimmers are thinking, hang on a minute, we don't do that. That's not what we do. What are you talking about? You know, Bernoulli principle, what, what on earth are you talking about? You know, that's in, that's in air, not water. You know, you get hold of the water and you press, you know. And, and, and so there's been a few times when the tutors have come up to me and said, look, Russ, your swimmers have been a pain in the backside. They're not listening to what I'm saying. And I'll ask them, I'll say, well, what is it that you're trying to teach them? And they'll tell me, I'll say, well, it's because you're teaching it wrong, mate. Do you know what I mean? What you need to do is to actually look what the best swimmers in the world are doing and put a, a set of drills and and verbal descriptions that can bring your swimmers somewhere into that ballpark. You know, I, I mean, everyone's different. I think there's a difference you know, between them. If everybody, if everybody could be like Michael Phelps, there would be. You know, he's he's the best in the world because of what he can bring to it. But you know, we've got to be in the ballpark of that. And and for me. Sorry, I'm getting on my IRC here. But for me, um, you know, it's a combination of... Well, for a start, I don't think there's any excuses now because you can just click on YouTube and you can look at any 
you know, swimmer and their technique. You know, you, there's hundreds and hundreds of um, videos. There's hundreds of races on there. You can buy an underwater camera for 30 quid. You know, there's no there's no need now for there to be an excuse why stroke technique is poor. And I, agree, and I was going to say, what I was going to say it's was... Lazy. It's just lazy coaching. It's, yeah. And I think, well, I think that what I found is, you know, a lot with a lot of the kind of local teaching is there is recognizing the difference. They're teaching people to swim, whereas we're creating swimmers. Mm. You know, they, they, they're looking to be able to get them so that they're not going to drown if they fall in a lake. Mm. And then they don't, you know, and don't really understand any much further than that. Mm. Um, but the two aren't mutually exclusive, are they? Because no. what they could do is to teach them how to get out of the lake quicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually taught them the right stroke. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think for me, it's, 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 you know, trying the best you can, you know, not to separate it out so much so that it's all about, Right, this is how your arms move and this is how your legs move and then you do this and then you do that. You know, if we can try and teach it right from the start as a as a as a unit, you know, that this is how your your arm action links to your hip rotation and and this is how your head links with this and this, you know, so that there's that we're actually teaching it in sections and in links rather than in individual movements. Um, you know, that that's kind of my big thing and, and the thing I've been you know, banging on about for 20 odd years now, you know, and, um, uh, well, you know, we're getting there. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I know I've heard you say this a few times in, you know, it's technique first, fitness second. Oh, well, um, you can get someone fit in, in, in a month, you know, fit, you know, anyone can get someone fit. I mean, that's, that's not, it's not difficult, you know, but, but at the end of the day, and um, you know, we're governed by skill, aren't we? You know, and and so so my my point of view is very much, you know, spend all your time, you know, focusing on skills, focusing on reducing resistance, uh, and then when you get that as good as it it can possibly be, then you can start thinking about getting them fit and getting them fast and getting them strong and you know that type of thing. But it don't work the other way around because you can have a you can have a very strong, well-conditioned swimmer. Um, but if they ain't got the skills, then they're not going to win anything. You know? so that, I was going to say, that takes me to kind of a, a question that is going to be on everybody's thoughts in, you know, some some coaches sooner than others if they are coaching at the elite level. But kind of, you know, two months, three months, four months out of the pool, however long it's going to end up being, what will be your main focus on getting swimmers back to that technique level, that kind of muscle memory state that you need to be in to be performing at you know your best. Well, I mean, I, 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 that's a good question. I am a believer that once you've made an adaptation, it don't go away. You know, it might get a bit rusty. You know, but and it's interesting how you know a swimmer who was you know who has achieved a certain level of of success can get a serious injury and be out of the pool for a year 
And, you know, and in, in which time you'd think, well, they've lost all the adaptations that they've ever made within that year. And then within three months, be back at world class again. Yeah. And that tells me, because there's no way in that three months that you've re, that you can re-adapt all the things that, you've, that it took to get you to that point. So, so my argument is, once you've made the adaptations neurally and physiologically, those adaptations are in place, they're there, they're done. And, um, and all you've got to do is to polish them again, you know. And, um, and so for me, it's a period of time where um, getting them back in the pool and letting them learn how to develop a relationship with water again, you know, and, and, and feel the water again. And, and so, you know, my plan in the first month is literally to keep my stopwatch in my bag not put a pace clock on poolside um, and and put sets in place that allows them to swim at the speed that they need to swim at, A, to get some basic aerobic fitness, but also to feel the water again. And um, and bit by bit, you know, once they're, they're, they're able to then move through the water with a level of confidence in themselves again, then I can start introducing a few drills and I can start introducing a few um, ideas. But I think the honest truth is us coaches need to reel our necks in and just let them rediscover the love of the pool. And and if I'm honest with you, the biggest battle, I think, is going to be the mental battle, you know, because, you know, when those guys set, there'll be a number of those guys... Um, they'll be considering is it worth going back you know am i i've quite enjoyed being away from from the pool and yeah the, the rigors um you know and uh being able to do what i want to do um there'll be a number of them that will be very very uh what's what i'm looking for um uh, the self-esteem levels will be you know because being an being an athlete it's cool, isn't it? It's great. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, stand up and say, oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an international swimmer. You know, what a cool yeah, thing. It is. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, and right now they're not that. You yeah. know, so, and when you, you know, when you can walk around with that protective shell of I am an international swimmer or I am a swimmer, I am an athlete, an athlete, sorry. Um, I think that's a really, really powerful and protective layer that that, that protects them from all the other, excuse my French, that's, that, that the rest of us have got to deal with. And right now, they haven't got that. And so I think they'll probably be finding out, you know, the, you know, the reality of the frailness and, the, the, and all that type of stuff. And so, you know, I am going to spend a lot of time with the swimmers making sure that, they can regain that aura, you know, and that and that belief in themselves. That and and the the good thing is that, well, you can call it good or bad, but I've had a number of top level swimmers at Sheffield that, you know, have had serious injuries over the years and have made it back and have and have and have, and have got better. You know, I mean, the classic example that you guys know is James Crisp. You know, multi multi. I mean, I think he won fifty odd. Uh, major games medals in his time as a swimmer 
And uh, he swam at Sheffield from 2005 to 2016. And um, in 2007, going into eight, or eight going into nine, it's a bit hazy now. Um, you know, he was in the shape of his life, um, training brilliantly, um, obviously qualified for the Olympics. And then he was in town centre and he got pushed over and um, dislocated his shoulder. And he had to have major reconstructive surgery in his shoulder. And he was actually out of the pool for nine months. Yeah. And, you know, and not only just um, out, you know, out of the pool, but, I mean, all the neural pathways and all the, you know, physi- physiological gains that he'd made strength-wise were all gone, you know. And yet, 2012, he came back with a silver medal at the London Olympics in a PB. So that tells me that even though they've been out of the pool at this point, two and a half months, is it? Two months, two and a half months? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Most of them will probably be back in within the next month or two. Um, it's, it's not a problem. You know, it really isn't a problem. Physically, you know, I think we've just got to be conscious of the fact that they're going to be a bit frail. They're going to be a little bit, uh, the self-esteem levels are going to be low. And we've just got to rebuild that, that superhero aura that athletes have got and, and slowly rebuild it and let them just regain the love of the water and regain the trust in themselves that they can still do it. You know, and only start introducing performance challenges when the time's right. And that certainly, for me, shouldn't be within the first month. Absolutely not. Well, so in terms of, you know, however much longer we are out of the pool, um, what do you think the focus is of land training and, and staying as fit as you can are... Both, I mean, physically and, of course, mentally, because I think that is that is that challenge. It's like, oh, I'm not a swimmer anymore. What will I feel like? Am I going to sink when I get in the pool? Am I going to be a, you know, a blimp? Um, you know, which, which we know they won't. You know, again, you know, from my experiences of time out and getting back in the pool, if I get back in the pool now, you know, mm-hmm. um, hold on, 36 years after the first time I swam internationally and I was a breaststroker, so, you know, it's a technical stroke, that's still, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's that's still there. You know, the yeah. technique is there. I mean, you know, I'm I'm absolutely done in after twelve and a half meters, but <laughs> but that that twelve and a half meters is still dead good. And I'm, I'm really good at doing depths now, rather okay. than yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I but, think no, no, but you're you're absolutely right. And, and like for me, um, I think there's there's a couple of things. I think the whole mental narrative thing is very very important at this point um you know more than the physical thing you know and you know because the doubts that are going to be going through their minds in terms of you know oh, i don't feel great today or oh, i put a bit of weight on or oh, i don't feel as strong as i did oh no so and so might be training now and i'm not training and they're going to get the advantage on me you know that whole performance yeah, yeah. Around the absolutely yeah and I think it's really important that we actually teach the kids, you know, look, you know, every thought that you have is just an electrical impulse in a lump of meat in your brain. You know, it isn't you. It, you know, you, 
you and your consciousness can control the mental narrative. You, you know, you don't have to give in to those thoughts. And I think it's really, really important that in this day and age with the knowledge that we've got on neuroplasticity and all the kind of stuff that's out there now, you know, that we can turn around and say to the kids, look, in the same way that you can learn a new technique, you can also learn a new way of thinking. You know, you can create new neural pathways and you can change uh, mental narrative. And, you know, and it probably is down to us to probably to maybe give them a few examples, you know. And so, so for example, you know, if I'm talking about myself, you know, and with, with regard to a mental narrative, it's difficult when you have been or are still a senior coach because all the time there's that thing of, you know, competing with the other senior coaches, you know, and, and making sure that, um, you know, you, you've still got what it takes, you know. And so, and so for me, when my mental, and if I, if I wake up and have a bad day and think, oh, I'm not as good as I used to be and, you know, I, I've forgotten half the stuff I used to know and, and I have one of those moments, you know, I've got to, I've got to stop that. I've got to recognise it, you know, and say, all right, okay, you know, that's, you know, all right, don't worry about it. You know, but the question you've got to ask is, do you think you're the only person that feels that way? And obviously the answer to that is, well, no, of course, everybody feels that way, don't they? You know? Particularly at the moment. And then the second question you've got to ask yourself is, have you felt like this before? Uh, yes, I have felt like this before. And have you been successful since? Uh, yes, I have, actually. Well, given that, in the chances are that you're probably successful again. Do you know what I mean? And so that's a mental narrative that I have got to put myself through as a, as a, you know, as an elder, an older guy, you know. And so with the swimmers, I think we really need to spend time saying to them, look, there's thoughts, but then there's the reality. And what you've got to make sure is you understand the difference between the two and that you're able to recognize your thoughts, but also change the reality by, you know, your consciousness saying, yeah, of course, you know, you've been out the pool two months, of course you're going to put on a little bit of weight, but so is everybody else. And, yeah, of course you've been out the pool two months, and so your technique's going to be a little bit ropey, but so is everybody else. And I've got a great coach, so I'm going to be able to work with them to make sure that I can get my technique right, and I'm going to work harder than everybody else, and, the, and that, so I'm going to make sure that I'm back on. Do you know what I mean? All of a sudden you're changing a negative into a positive, and I think it's really important that the kids understand the, I'm saying kids, swimmers, athletes, need to understand that, you know, when you have a, if you let negative thoughts control, you know, if they're the ones that are in your brain the most and you don't stop it and you don't change the mental narrative, that your body releases the appropriate hormone. And so if you're sat there with negative thoughts in your head, then your body's going to release negative hormones that actually make you feel even worse. You know, whereas if you can actually change the narrative... So that lump of meat between your ears um, is actually being told, you know what, no, things are good and things are going to be all right. Your brain will go, okay, and release positive hormones and make you feel better. And I think that's the, the first thing that as coaches we need to be thinking, right, how are we going to do that with our swimmers when, you know, when we go back? And then the second thing, um, it, it's to answer your question with regard to the, the land training and stuff that we're doing right now, is just not to overdo it because they're not they're not runners, you know. They're, they're you know the re, you know years and years in the pool means that you're 
skeletal structure isn't as strong as you know um, people that are on on the ground, you know, and it's very easy to get injured, you know. So f- from my point of view, I think it's keeping things sensible on dry land, trying to do the cardiovascular work with as little impact as possible. So for me, cycling and rowing are the perfect two, and keeping um, and keeping running to a minimum. You know, like I say, focusing on cycling and rowing. And and stretch cords, you know, so that they're still actually got the the pathways in place, you know, with the stroke technique. And so that's what we've been focusing on in, in to to actually answer your question. Yeah, and I think that's that's going to be really important, kind of regardless of the level that you're you're working at. Obviously, you know, if you are working at the top level, you know, like you are Russ, you know, the the athletes, you know, coming back. You know, lockdown came in, what, kind of three, four weeks before Olympic trials. So you're going to have people that were... Crazy. Oh. Yeah, you know, kind of, you know, in, in the best shape of their life or the best shape they've been for four years. Mm. Um, and, you know, and be like, okay, I've got, I've got two weeks, I'm about to start taper. You know, let, you know let's go, let, let's you know, push and qualify for an Olympic Games. Um, and the, the disappointment of that, but also at the other end, you know, You've got eight-year-olds that you know might have finally something's clicked, and now they're fly kick. They can get their feet past the flanks, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you know, ready to go." And then all of a sudden, it's like, right, when well, you can't train for three months, mm. and you know, obviously it's different things, but you know, the, the that disappointment is, is the same for those two people. You know, it, it's relative to what their their level is, but. Absolutely. And I, think, I think certainly with the senior swimmers, you know, I mean, the night that the pool manager came down and said to us, uh, right, guys, um, the building's closing in a couple of hours. We don't know when we're going to be reopening. And I was right in the middle of a, um, a BO2 Max set at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so we'd done about 15 100s or something. And, um, and so I stopped the guys and I just said, Right, guys, um, I've never had to do this in my whole coaching career before, but <laughs> this is what's happening. Uh, the building's closing. Um, it's highly unlikely that we're going to be going to the Olympic trials. Um, so what do you want to do? <laughs> do you want to carry on with the set? <laughs> or, you know, do you want... And they all sort of looked at each other and, and it was weird because half of them, you know, probably the half of them that knew that they haven't got much of a chance at the Olympic trials. It was just a bit of, ooh, this is, ooh, this is different, isn't it? Ooh. You know, and they were a bit kind of giddy. But the other half of the group that, you know, the more se- you know, senior athletes that that has been their whole focus for the last four years. You know, I could see them, and the, there was a real sense of loss. It was weird, a real sense of loss, and particularly in a situation where you perhaps have got swimmers that have arranged the university and the grants, you know, the funding, you know, to, yeah. to take them through to the end of this cycle. And then, you know, perhaps move on with their lives, you know, in, in, you know, and they're thinking, wow, I've got to somehow find a way to keep myself going for another year, you know, yeah. and, you know and, and be able to, you know, 
at my university finishes now, what am I meant to do for another year? You know, because I don't want to leave Sheffield, but equally I'm not a student anymore and I ain't got any money. What the hell am I going to do? And I've certainly had a number of, of, that, of those situations and luckily we've been able to resolve most of them. Um, but certainly in terms of, you know, those that were absolutely flying and, and had, a, had a great cycle and we were really, really doing well at this point, there's a real sense of loss, you know, and um, and I think it's almost like uh, getting back in the pool is going to be a, a strange, strange thing. You know, for him, I would have thought. You know. Yeah, I mean, do you want to talk a little bit, kind of different situation slightly in that it wasn't because of a, a pandemic, but kind of in 1980 and, you know, at that point being a, a medal prospect and then the decision to not take um, athletes with your classification to the games, kind of having to then get back into the pool or get back into training kind of with the team that did go, um you know, kind of how, how was that for you? Yeah, I mean, it was a really strange situation. I mean, Paralympic swimming um, is a nuance even now, but kind of 30, 40 years ago, gosh, it makes me sound so old, um, <laughs> is, you know, that there, there was, rather than a multi-classification system, you had impairment groups with their own classification systems. Um, but at one point, I was in full training, so I was 16, um, ready to go to, or coming up 17, ready to go to the 1980, um, what was then called the World Games. Um, and uh, it just suddenly went, no, nah, we're not taking any athletes for cerebral palsy. And I was like, what? And, and, and other countries in the world were all doing it. And they, so, you know, and I wasn't the only one, but I mean, that was devastating. And you're sort of like, well, and, and I think this, this is going to make sense in, in a second of, how you then re-motivate yourself because you've got to go, well, I want to swim, but what happens if they do the same in 1982 for the World Championships or they do the same in 1984 for, for, for the Olympics, Paralympics? And I think one of the struggles, you know, and that was really difficult, you know, and I had my wobbles, you know, as, as we all have, and I've had those injury times as well. You know, thankfully I um, made it back and, you know, was... Uh, successful um, in, in, in the pool. But I think that for, certainly for the more senior swimmers now, they, whenever they get back in the pool, as soon as it is, they've got to kind of somehow work out in their heads how they're going to motivate themselves to get back to that level, but still not know if it's absolutely going to happen in 2021. That's that's such a, a, a great insight, that, because... Um, I think uh, not only that, but but also there'll be a feeling of not knowing where they're at. You know, do, do they still want to do it? Yeah. And so the first few, the first few sessions, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people, a little bit like a you know little kitten for the first time that's taking its first step into the snow outside. You know, like dabbing, <laughs> almost dabbing the foot. What's this? You know, yeah. be an element of that. You know, of like, do I still want to do this? Do you know what I mean? And and have I still got the stones? You know, have I still got that heart? You know that that you know irrepressible kind of discipline. You know to 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 do this on a day to day basis, knowing that they're going to turn up at the pool, 
that I'm going to growl at them and force them to swim fast for 7,000 metres <laughs> and then do that again 10 times a week. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's not, it's not what normal, well-balanced people do, is it? <laughs> you know, so, so I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to take time, you know, to rebuild that, that desire and that motivation and that trust in your own ability to do it again, like you say, uh, as well as, well, okay, all right, I think I can do it for another year. Okay, let's go for it. But is the Olympics going to happen? Next yeah. year, you know, and uh, or, or you know, is it is it a, still a driver for me? You know, has it still got the same feel? Um, so I think we're, we're in very uncharted territory, aren't we? It's 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 very uh, well interesting to say the least, you know. But um, I think we do need to be very very careful and um, and be thinking outside of the box when when the athletes come back not just be thinking to ourselves right we've got to get them fit come on guys get back in and i think there's going to be far far more to it than that i think you're absolutely right we're all in the same boat we are all experiencing that time of of you know um getting fat or you know and and less fit but i think that when we do get them back to the pool the individual attention that each swimmer is going to need and need to be understood will be really paramount to actually who does come back and stay. And I think that's even through from, you know, eight and nine year olds, you know, who were kind of primed to swim the first round of junior league, mm. the weekend, you know, the, the Saturday mm. after the pools all shut. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think with those younger guys, I think it'd be one of those things where, you know, we need to take, three or four steps back don't we and, and even though uh, you know like I said having said that thing that I said earlier on about the adaptations aren't lost I think um, I think probably with the younger guys we we all need to go back and revisit some of the things that we thought we'd maybe uh, uh, conquered and, and things that we thought right we move on to the next level now but I think we probably need to all go back two or three steps and uh and, and polish those those original skills off, and you know, make sure that the basics are being done right again, and and let them build their own confidence in themselves up again. You know, and their desire to do it, and their and their their interest in the sport again. You know, I think uh, it's going to be really really interesting. I think I think one of the things that that I that I, I keep thinking to myself is that it's not going to be my ability as a as a coach in terms of my understanding of energy systems and and stroke technique and all that type of thing that's going to be at the fore i think that'll come it's be about how you deal with people yeah exactly i think it's going to be the softer skills the interpersonal skills and the psychological skills i think they're the things that we all need to tap into and i think we're, we're really going to earn our and our stripes in this next in this first few months, I think, of of, of getting them back in the pool about you know being able to get everyone back on track again, you know. But I don't see it as a negative, you know. I think it's an interesting challenge, and I'm looking forward to it because it's almost like a a reset button, and and you can look at what you've done previously and think actually, I have my chance to start again and make sure it's even better this time. 
you know, and and make sure that anything that we might have done wrong last time in the foundation periods, you know, we can actually, you know, do a better job in building the foundations and building the skills and and uh, and I'm actually quite looking forward to the challenge of it, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, kind of, yeah, the, that that role of, of motivator and and people person, I think, sometimes gets overlooked when people think about coaching that you know we just kind of you know stand at the end of the pool with a foghorn and a stopwatch <laughs> um, well, it shouldn't, should it because i mean to me that is the key thing yeah no 100 like, it's you know it's, because if you if you you know if you had a, a group of 10 coaches and 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 they all delivered the same exactly the same um plan for a year you won't get the same result. No, absolutely not. You know, I totally agree. You know, and it, it, you know, because it's about it's the nuance of it, isn't it? And it's how you, you know, it's interesting that you know you listen to some coaches and they're so, you know, they could sell anything, couldn't you know? They, they, you could give them a you could give them a pencil and they could talk about it for ten minutes and make you think it's the most interesting thing on earth. Do you know what I mean? Because they've just got that whatever yeah. it is, the X factor. And, um, and, you know, that's one of the things that I've found when, you know, when I've been lucky enough to travel around the world and spend a lot of time with the best coaches in the world, you know, the things that I've learned from them are nothing really to do with 10-100s this and 10-400s that and that type of thing. Um, it's, it's been more the how they interact with the athletes and, and the presence that they have and the, their ability to somehow reach inside those, those athletes, change something and make them into something else. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's that, it's that relationship, you know, if mm. you can be the best coach in the world on, on technical and all the kind of physiological stuff. But if the athletes don't want to work with you or, or for you, you're never going to get a performance out of them. You know, if if you can have that interpersonal relationship where the athletes, you know, they, they want to do well for you or for themselves, but you know, it, it, it's a team, it's a partnership. You think of you know Michael Phelps and Bob Bowman. You know, he'd stop swimming, but you know, the godfather to his kids, and they still go around for dinner. And you know, obviously, that's a very unique relationship. But you know, if if you've got that where you are working together rather than kind of them doing what you tell them the level of performance you can pull out of someone is going to be far higher yeah i mean i th- i i come you know come back to my experiences as a as a competitor you know i went to three paralympics something worlds blah 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 but i can tell you there are two coaches who made a difference to my swimming mm. um uh, one you may know a guy called ken black mm. um who was himself a Scottish Commonwealth swimmer. Um, but he just had, he, he just made you want to do stuff for him. Um, and another one was, was um, a, a coach, a Midlands coach, Brian Phelps, who was, uh, again, you might have met Brian, he's a coach at Sea at Birmingham. Um, and, and he just had this fantastic way of making you want to make him happy. You know, and his goal wasn't for you to make him happy. His goal was to make you a great swimmer, but you just, you wanted to perform. You wanted him 
to acknowledge so you could acknowledge that he saw what you were doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and I, and I think i think there's that and and but i think you know i've i've when i've said this a few times at conferences and stuff it's 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 created a few raised eyebrows but but i'm i'll stand by this till the day i die that um just because a swimmer turns up doesn't give them the right to um demand the best out of you and what i mean by that is i think you know it's a team it's a team uh you know getting results is a team isn't it you know it's 50% you as a coach and 50% the athlete you know and the and that combined uh chemistry is where you get the 100% and so, you know, I'm quite open to say, look, if you turn up on my poolside, demotivated, dragging your bag with your chin on the floor, it's not my job to motivate you. You know, it's not my job to stand there with a clown's outfit and jump up and down, blow up balloons and try and entertain you. That's not my job. You know, obviously everybody needs an arm on the shoulder from time to time. We all do, obviously. But, you know, you've got, you know, it's, I think we need to say to our swimmers, especially when they get older, I mean, you wouldn't say this to a, a young age group, but certainly once they're, you know, 14, 15 and starting to, the pennies dropped, you know, they need to understand that they've got to bring their A game to the table, you know, and if they bring their B game, why should I bring my A game? You know, I will, I will reflect what they give me. And so, and it's interesting that, you know, the best swimmers that I've ever coached are the ones that would bring the A game more often. And there's no and, and I think that there's there's one thing for definite is that good coaches make sure that they reciprocate. You know, so if an if an athlete brings their A game, the coach will bring their A game. But I'll tell you right now, I won't I won't bring my A game with an athlete that doesn't bring their A game. I'll I'll just focus on those that do. You know, and I'm quite happy to admit that. You know, and and uh, you know why should I? You know, and now it's different if you're. In, I think it's different if you're an age group coach because your job is to try and you know motivate everybody and sell a dream and all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to the the senior side, it's like you know, look, let's not kid ourselves here. If your if your goal ultimately is world level swimming then you've got to know what that takes. And I'll teach you what it takes, but you've got to bring your A game, you know, because I'm not going to try and motivate you every day to that. You know, if you want to do it, then let's make a plan. You pay me and I will help it happen for you. But I'm not going to bring my A game if you're not going to bring your A game. And I think it's reasonable to turn around to an athlete and ask them at the end of a session, did you bring your A game today? Because I don't think you did. You know, and you can guarantee that somebody else around the world will have brought their A game, and they've and they've got that um, minute gain over you. You know, and I think um, I think it's really important that that the, as the older swimmers get, the more they understand. Look, if it's going to happen, then then I've got to look in the mirror and make sure that I'm bringing my my part of the equation to the. I mean, I've, I often joke, you know, that that. Winning is a habit, but there's a kind of truth to that. It's about it is about bringing um, what you can 
to every party that you go to. Because if you don't, someone else at the party is going to. Now that's and that's kind of that where we kind of started this conversation this afternoon was about recognizing actually, well, nobody at the moment is really able to do that, apart from a few lucky people who've got swim spas. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I keep buying the lottery tickets. Um, but you know, but it, but it, that it is, and I think that you know, just to kind of close on that is whatever the whatever the squad, the age group that you are working with, um, it, it it is it is about everybody being at the same party at the same time, and you because you can't afford to carry people. And when you've got a pool as an age group coach, when you've got a pool, sometimes you know you might have two squads in. You're working across with thirty six, thirty eight, forty swimmers you don't have the time to motivate each swimmer individually. And so they have to, you've got to know that they're stepping into what you're asking them to do. And why should you as well? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's almost one of those things, you know, like, um, you know, they, uh, to me, I always say to the age group coaches, look, there's three types of people or three types of athlete. And, and, they, and I think this probably stands true in all walks of life. I mean, it'd be interesting to, to think, to hear what you think of this, but you know, you've got a group of people that are super motivated. They understand that it's the, it's the person that's looking back at them in the mirror that ultimately is going to be responsible for the success or not. Ultimately. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's just innate in them. They get it. And they turn up every session and give their A game. And I can honestly say that the majority of the best swimmers I've ever coached have all been like that. I've ne- I never once had to say to people like James Curtin or James Crisp or Ellie Faulkner, Max Litch, with those type of people, I never once had to say to them, go faster, come on. Because, yeah, I mean, they're almost the swimmers. You don't need to coach. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because they knew what they wanted to do and they had the self-discipline to do it. If anything, I had to tell them to slow down, you know, <laughs> because they've got the ability to break themselves. Yeah. You know? um, so there's that group of people that are there and you don't need to worry about, you know, fantastic. And then you've got a group of people that are the absolute opposite of that, that they're not particularly interested. They're, they're not a, a, a motivated type of person. You know, they probably don't really want to be there. Um, they've got a negative attitude. And nothing that you do, you know, you could stick a, a firecracker up the backside and it wouldn't make a difference. You know, they're just not that type of... And, and and again, with those sort of people, you don't really need to bother with them, you know, because there's nothing you can do. You know, and so, it's, you know, be polite and, and teach them how to swim and do the best you can with them. But ultimately, they're never going to be anything other than that. But then there's a massive group of people that's probably... 80% of who we work with in the middle that could swing either way. Yeah. Depending on you as a coach. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like, and like, so for me, I always say to, to my coaches, don't worry about your best swimmers. They're fine. Just make sure they're doing the right things. Don't worry about your demotivated swimmers because nothing you do will make them good. So just be polite to them, take the training fees and that's it. Right? <laughs> but, then, but then, yeah, don't forget that bit. Uh, but then the, the bit in the middle, they're the ones. And if you can convert that middle group into the elite group by teaching them what it takes, then then you've done a great job and that's what you can pride yourself on. 
And I think the, the best coaches can do that. You know, they, they, they can, they can, that middle group that could be swayed either way, you, you, you're able to swim in the right direction. And, and I think one of the things as well that, that I feel really, really strongly about is that as coaches, we respond to what the athletes give us. You know, so for example, if we give them a set of 2100s on, I don't know, 130, just a standard set, 2100s on 130, and at the end of the 20, it looks like they're not that tired. It looks they're holding pace okay. They don't drop off at the end of the set. The skills are still pretty good at the end of the set. So then you think to yourself, okay, next time I do that, we'll do them off 120 or we'll do 25 100s rather than 20, you know, yeah. because you're looking at what you're seeing and you think, right, we can progress. We can get pro- progression now. But if the athletes are doing the opposite of that and they appear to be struggling, you'll adjust the other way. And my, and my, my problem is, and my feeling is if you've got athletes that are permanently or or seem to be demotivated a lot of the time or are really tired a lot of the time, if if you know there's no illness there, then you'll adjust your programs accordingly. And so you'll make them a bit easier because you'll think to yourself, well, this is too hard for them. And the problem is then that you're under-training them physiologically based on their moods. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I I always say to my swimmers, look – you have got to show me where you're really at because I will adjust my programs to, to that feedback. And if you're turning up with your chin on the floor, demotivated, or looking like you've got the whole world on your shoulders, my instant thoughts will be, I need to back off. But if the real reason that they're doing that is just because they're having a bad day and they can't be bothered and they're feeling a bit demotivated, I'm under-training them just, just because they're in a bad mood. And so that's why it's so important that the athletes bring their air game so that you can actually prescribe the right training to, to them, you know, because let's be honest, all the lactate testing and heart rate monitoring and all that kind of stuff in the world only tells you so much, you know, and, and what, what the, the best coaches in the world actually don't use that stuff and actually respond to what they see, you know. The athletes that principle look you've got to be coachable and you've got to show me where you're really at so that i can put programs in place that's going to be appropriate for you at that time and i don't think enough people talk about that sort of stuff if i'm honest with you no and i think you know i am a sports scientist by by trade so lactate tests and heart rate monitoring all that sort of stuff is is it's what I've been trying to trying to do, but I think it's a hundred. You're hundred percent right in that it's a tool. It, it is a it is a tool within. It's important. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, and, and, and you know, and it, it has its place. Um, but you can look at someone's heart rate for a set, and it can tell you sort of how hard they were working. But that that's it. And you know, and yes, you can use that information, but it has to be in conjunction with everything else and everything coming together at the end of the day at the end of the day you know if you're in the middle of a a 200 fly race 
you know, um, at the highest level, and you've got twenty thousand people in the stadium screaming for you. You've got two billion people around the world watching it on television. You're not going to be thinking to yourself, "Oh, I wonder if my heart rate's 180." At this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You know, you're going to touch the wall at 150 meters. You're going to be semi-conscious. Your eyeballs are going to be hanging out. You know, your bowels are going to want to release. <laughs> you know, and and ultimately it comes down to pure resilience, tolerance to pain, and ability to hold skills under yeah. extreme yeah. discomfort. I, I, uh, that is going to be going to show you whether you're the winner or not. And I think the difference and there's, is no, there's nothing that can measure that. That's no. human spirit. It's, that is it, that is the that's braveness. It's it's um, it's something different. That's that's not that's not measurable. And so that's why I think it's so important that we use those things as tools. Yes, we do use them as tools, but equal, we need to say to the swimmers, look, ultimately, you've got to tough this out. Yeah. You know, and you and you know, if you're if you're if you want it more than the next person, the chances are that you'll win. And I don't That's think you don't lose it. I mean, the last competitive race I swam was uh, Summer Champs 2018 at Ponds, um, 400 freestyle. I can't believe I still swam it. Um, <laughs> you know, and at that point I was 54 or even 55, um, and I got to 250 metres and I actually thought I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if I do, that's the only thing that's going to stop me finishing this race. Mm. And, you know, I still threw it out there. And, you know, I did a post 50 PB. I had to I reset my PB at 50, you know, PB. Congratulations. Off. <laughs> you know, but, it, but, it, but what I'm saying is, is, is that's, that's, you know, Nothing outside of me is a completely intrinsic drive that, that is what you've got to nurture, you know. And yes, as I said, I want to please a coach, but it's not for the reward, you know. And I think um, that's kind of all, you know, summing up all of what we've been talking about is we're going to be, we are going to be back in the pool at some point mm. and we're going to work with swimmers mm. to rediscover that intrinsic desire that internal um um um, fight that will take them to where they need to go yeah and i think that brings us kind of quite nicely kind of full circle back back to the start um so just quickly to to finish off and put you on the spot russ um when we can get back to crowds of twenty thousand people uh, hopefully the olympics next year it's the kind of one or two races that you were really looking forward to or one or two swimmers you were kind of really excited to see what they were going to do in Tokyo? Oh, dear. Um, Take put you on the spot. <laughs> well, I, I, I've got to be careful the way I say this. It'll make me come across as being a bit of a, a, bit of a tool, but the honest truth is not really, no. <laughs> um, it, it's the thing that... The thing that motivates me is 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 the journey with my athletes and so you know the the races that i'll be interested in will be the races that i've got swimmers in you know yeah um i mean don't get me wrong there's always a level of patriotism you know so whenever there's a gb swimmer in a race i'll always you know 
want them to do well. Um, but but ultimately, you know, for me, you know, over the years, you know, my first Olympian was a 200 breaststroke guy. And so at that point, the race I was interested in was 200 breaststroke and everybody saw me as a breaststroke coach. <laughs> and then 2012, I had 100, 200 free, 400 free, 800 free. Um, and uh, crispy on the backstroke, you know. And so it was kind of one of those things where, well, there were the events that I was interested in at that time. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, t- you know, 2016, you know, the medley had reared its head. And so, and so I guess, I guess it's whatever I'm really working on at any given time, um, really. And I'm not one of those guys that could list out all the world records and list out who they, who swam them anyway, you know. Um, so I'm more interested in probably the process, you know, and, and, um, I'm more interested in, you know, the stories behind the results, if you get what I mean. So yeah. that's a long-winded way of saying not really. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I mean, I think to close and to say thank you, uh, Russ, for coming on and joining us, um, is, is, is that that really answers where we're going next. The next nine months for all the people in any competitive sport are going to be about processes, renailing those processes, before we worry about winning races or winning matches. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, you know, winning, no, yeah, winning is the end product of a thousand little things every day to, yeah. to get it right. And, but and yeah, they're, no. they're all the things that I pride myself in and they're the things that, that interest me, if I'm honest, you know, because the, the performance is, that's their thing. You know, that's that's... That's you know you've done your bit. You you've got to step back now and, and enjoy enjoy it. You know in the same way you know you finished the portrait p- picture that you painted. It's time to stand back and enjoy it. You know and 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 so for me, I'm not really part of the performance. You know my my part is getting them to the blocks and then and then sitting back and enjoying enjoying the artistry. You know, <laughs> um, so, I like that. It's you know, but it's nice it's nice it's nice to see a good race in it and, and nice for your swimmers to do well, but. But ultimately, for me, I, I, I'm I'm that guy that's on deck that, that's that's getting ready for the race, really. And then as soon as the race starts, that's their thing, and you know, that, that yeah, thing. half five the next morning. All right, come on, <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got four years. But <laughs> no, but yeah, no. Thank you very much for uh, for coming on. Some really really good insights there that I think hopefully people can can take away from, from. No, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's been a, it's been nice having a good chat about the. Uh, it's, you know, because quite often on these things you get you get stuck on one sort of subject that's perhaps maybe technical or whatever. So it's nice to be able to talk around the things and and uh, you know the the things that actually really count. I think you know. So it's been a good conversation. I really enjoyed it, guys. Cool, brilliant. And next time I come up to Sheffield, I'll bring my guitar. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> cool. All right, Russ. Thanks very much. Bye. See you later. Cheers. That brings us to the end of the show. If you really enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps. To follow us on social media, we are Swim Science UK on Facebook and Swim underscore Science UK on Twitter. Or to get in touch, you can also use the email swimsciencepod at gmail.com. <laughs>